the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. The changed life is a testimony to the non-believer that Jesus is real and that he can make all things new. And we see here that there is a, an element of responsibility for those religious leaders once they see the changed life, just like it is for any person who's a non-believer, who's maybe kind of uh, rejected Jesus or, or refused Jesus. You're responsible for the changed lives that you see. We live in a world where skepticism and doubt often overshadow faith. Many people question the relevance of God and struggle to find meaning and purpose in their lives. They may have heard countless arguments, read numerous books, and engaged in endless debates. But what truly captures their attention is a life that has been radically transformed by the touch of God's grace. In today's message, Pastor Dan will show you that a transformed life is a powerful tool for evangelism in God's hands. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 21 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. son initially refused to obey his father, but later regretted it and went and obeyed his father. The second son answered his father respectfully, calling him sir, saying, I go, sir. But then he disobeyed his father and did not go. His respectful speech was just lip service to his father. And then Jesus said to the religious leaders, which of the two did the will of the father And they said to him, the first. Well, then Jesus explains the parable in verse 31. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Now, let me just say up front here, in the mind of those religious leaders, the worst sinners were tax collectors and harlots. You couldn't get lower than tax collectors and harlots. Tax collectors and harlots were forbidden from entering a synagogue or the temple. They weren't even allowed to come in. They were excluded from Jewish religious life because of their lifestyle. In this parable, the first son represents tax collectors and harlots. Initially, tax collectors and harlots, they refused to obey God. They lived in, a, in, in rebellion against God. But at the preaching of John the Baptist, many tax collectors and harlots came under conviction, 
repented of their sins and began to obey the Lord and walk in his ways. The second son in the parable represents the religious leaders. They said they would obey God. They said the right things, but they refused to repent at the preaching of John the Baptist. Please note here that God values what we do over what we say. We show our love for God by what we do, not by what we say. First John chapter 5 says, if we love God, we will keep his commandments. Not just say that we love him, but show that we love him by our obedience to him. Look again at, at verse 31. Jesus says to the religious leaders, again, in front of this big crowd that's gathered there. Now everybody's listening. Now other people that were walking by are stopping to watch this confrontation to go down. He says this in front of this big crowd in the temple that is watching. Assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. Because you didn't believe John the Baptist, and they did believe him, and they repented of their sins. Now, at this point, everyone in the audience has eyes as big as saucers because they cannot believe that Jesus just said that to the chief priests and the elders. And everyone has their phone out and they're filming this and it's going to go viral. The tax collectors and harlots that that repented at the preaching of John. They remind us that someone can start out on the wrong path in life, but they can turn from that wrong path and turn to God and get on the right path with God. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter how far away you are from God. At any point, you can turn to God. Maybe you're here today and you've been living your life on the wrong path because your, your life is just so messed up. Because you've been on the wrong path. You can turn from the wrong path and turn to Jesus Christ and you can get on the right path. And look at the end of verse 32. Jesus says that the tax collectors and harlots believed John. And he says to the religious leaders, and when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Isn't that interesting? Jesus says to the religious leaders, when you saw tax collectors and harlots repenting at the preaching of John the Baptist and turning from their sins, when you saw their lives changed and transformed by God, their changed lives was proof to you that it was from God and that it was real. And seeing their changed lives should have caused you to relent and believe. Now, if you're taking notes, that that word relent, it, it means to change your mind about a previous decision you made. To change your mind about a previous decision you made or to abandon a previous position that you held. For those religious leaders, previously, they made up their minds about John the Baptist and his ministry. But when they saw the changed lives that resulted from John's ministry and John's preaching, those changed lives should have caused those religious leaders to change their mind about John the Baptist. And what's the application for us to all of this? You know, a a person may dismiss Jesus and and say, hey, that, that religion stuff, it's not for me. But when they see someone whose life is radically changed 
by Jesus Christ, when they see uh, someone whose life is just completely transformed by Jesus Christ, maybe it's someone they know, a friend or maybe a family member, a sibling or a child or a parent who is changed by Jesus Christ, seeing that changed life should cause that person to reconsider Jesus. I see what Jesus did in my friend's life, or I see what Jesus did in my family member's life. I see how different they are. I know what they used to be like. And I see how different they are now, and I see how much joy they have now. Maybe I'm wrong about Jesus. Maybe Jesus is real. Maybe I need to reconsider Jesus. Maybe I need to consider Jesus for myself and believe him too. Maybe he can change me like that. The changed life is a testimony to the non-believer that Jesus is real and that he can make all things new. And we see here that there is an element of responsibility for those religious leaders once they see the changed life, just like it is for any person who's a non-believer who's maybe kind of rejected Jesus or, or refused Jesus. You're responsible for the changed lives that you see. Because you can't deny the changed life. You can't deny the transformation. And what are you going to do with that? Jesus says to these religious leaders, seeing the transformation of the lives of harlots and tax collectors, that should have caused you to change your mind about John the Baptist and his message and believe him. So that's the first parable. Then Jesus gives a second parable. And the religious leaders at this point are thinking, please, can we just leave? Please. Maybe you're thinking, please, can we just leave? Verse 33. I love it. And Jesus just sounds so casual about this. Hey, here another parable. (laughs) I got another story for you since I've got your attention. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard. And he set a hedge around it. And he dug a wine press in it. And he built a tower, a watchtower. And he leased it to vine dressers, and then he went into a far country. Now, in this parable, Jesus is clearly drawing from Isaiah chapter 5 in this parable. So next to this verse, you can write Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5 describes Israel as God's vineyard. And the audience, of course, would would know that Jesus was alluding to Isaiah chapter 5 with this parable. And he's talking about the nation of Israel. In this parable, the landowner is God. The vineyard is Israel. The hedge he put around it to protect it is the word of God. The tower that is in the watchtower that is in the vineyard is the temple that was in Jerusalem. The vine dressers are the religious leaders, the chief priests and the elders. The servants that we're going to meet in the next verse, the servants are the prophets of God, the Old Testament prophets. The landowner here, we see in verse 33, he provides everything that is needed for the vineyard to bear fruit. He provides it all. God provided everything for the nation of Israel to bear fruit. Everything they needed to believe on Jesus Christ and to receive him as their Messiah. So it says in verse 34, now when vintage time came, when vintage time drew near, the landowner sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. Now these are, these are what we would maybe call tenant farmers. 
and they paid the owner a portion of the harvest as their rent. The servants, again, represent the prophets of God in the Old Testament. God sent his prophets to Israel and God was looking for fruit from his people, just as he's looking for fruit from our lives. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, God chose us that we might bear fruit for him. God is looking for godly fruit from us. So God sent his prophets to Israel looking for godly fruit. Verse 35, and the vine dressers, that would be the religious leaders, they took his servants, the prophets, they beat one, they killed one, and they stoned another. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. If you know your Old Testament, Israel rejected the prophets that God sent to her and killed them. Now think about this. Uh, If you own a rental property and you went to collect the rent from your tenant and the tenant physically assaulted you instead of paying you the rent they owed, well, what would you do? You'd probably call the police. Uh, You'd press charges. You you would sue them. Uh, At the very least, you would evict them from your property after just one assault. Well, well, look what it says. After the owner's servants were assaulted by the vine dressers who leased his vineyard, verse 36, again he sent other servants. He didn't call the police. He didn't press charges. He didn't evict them. He sent other servants to them, more than the first, even more servants. And they did likewise to them. This is a picture of God's grace. God's grace, undeserved kindness, undeserved favor. After Israel rejected God's prophets, God didn't immediately evict Israel from the promised land. God sent more prophets to them and more prophets. And Israel rejected those prophets. And so God sent more prophets. He gave them grace upon grace upon grace and opportunity after opportunity to turn back to him, just like he does with us. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just, you know, kick you to the curb the first time that you're disobedient or that you don't cooperate? The Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's his desire. And he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And he gives every opportunity possible to people. Every opportunity to repent from their ways and turn back to him. Because his desire is to forgive. His desire is to have a relationship with us. And so he just keeps pouring out his grace and pouring out his grace and giving opportunity after opportunity, just as he did with Israel, sending prophets and more prophets and more prophets. And they did likewise to them. Then verse 37. Then last of all, 
he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. It's my son. They won't treat my son the way they've treated the prophets. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. Again, the vine dressers represent the religious leaders of Judaism, the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. And notice it says the vine dressers know the son is the heir. This is the heir. Not that he says he's the heir, but he's not. This is the heir. The religious leaders knew that Jesus was the Messiah and Son of God and the heir of the kingdom of God and that one day he would reign as king over all of Israel and over all the earth. And the vine dresser said, if we kill the son, well, then we can seize his inheritance. Now, is that the way it works? If you kill someone, do you get to keep their inheritance? That's not how it works. In case you don't know, don't try it. But this is what the religious leaders thought. Jesus is the son. Jesus is the heir of all things. If we kill Jesus, then we can keep our position over Israel and we can keep our position over the Jewish people forever. But that's not how it works. And so they took him, they took the son, they cast him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Jesus was crucified and killed outside the city of Jerusalem. They killed him. Now, here's the application. Verse 40. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? And they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and he'll lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Exactly. The religious leaders understood the parable, but they don't understand that it was about them. He's talking about them. And so Jesus explains in verse 42, he said to them, have you never read in the scriptures? I love when Jesus says this to the chief priests and the elders. That's all they do is read the scriptures. Have you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Now, this is quoted from Psalm 118. Psalm 118, a portion of Psalm 118, is what the crowd was singing on Palm Sunday as Jesus made his way into Jerusalem on the donkey. The crowd was saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which was the Messianic greeting. That's from Psalm 118. This is from Psalm 118. And, And Psalm 118, as we see here, it predicts the rejection of Jesus by the religious leaders. He's the stone the builders rejected. Isaiah 8, verse 14 says he is the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense to Israel. But they've rejected him. The builders have rejected him. But he will become the chief cornerstone or the capstone that holds everything together. Now, Jesus makes it plain in verse 43 in case they still aren't getting it. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you, religious leaders, And given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. The kingdom of God will be taken from the chief priests and elders. And given to the apostles. And a nation 
that will bear the fruits of it. It's speaking of the church, which is made up of Jewish and Gentile believers in Jesus Christ. So do you see what he's saying here? And don't forget, he's standing in front of thousands of Jews there in the temple, and he says, the kingdom of God's going to be taken from you. It's going to be given to someone else. You guys aren't going to be the chief priests and elders for long. It's going to be taken from you. And then he says, and whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. Coming to Jesus Christ for salvation, it requires brokenness. It requires brokenness. It requires the breaking of your pride, the breaking of your self-reliance. It requires a humble surrender to Jesus Christ. And if a person refuses to fall on the rock, Jesus Christ, in brokenness and humility, the rock, Jesus Christ, will fall on them and grind them to powder. In other words, every person will either humbly surrender to Jesus or be judged by Jesus. Jesus will be Lord or he will be judge. And every person must make this choice to accept him as Lord or stand before him as your judge. And that brings us to verse 45. Now, when the chief priests and Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them. They finally start to get it, right? Jesus is telling these parables, and the religious leaders were thinking, what, what do these parables have to do with anything? Wait a minute. I think he's talking about us. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude. A big crowd that's there. Because the multitude also took him for a prophet. There was nothing they could do. They feared the crowd, and so there was nothing they could do but just stand there and take this public rebuke. And I don't think that Jesus was doing this just to win the debate or to humiliate them. Jesus speaks the truth to us about ourselves. He puts a mirror in front of us through the word of God so that we see who we really are and we see our real condition and we see our need for repentance and salvation. And Jesus is just telling them the truth here, telling them the reality of what is going down and what's going to happen. Again, not to just publicly humiliate them in front of this crowd and when the argument. But his desire is that all people would repent. That all people would come to this realization about themselves. That my righteousness is filthy rags in God's sight. The best I can do on my best day is filthy rags. And my only hope is to fall upon Jesus Christ in humility for salvation. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this passage of scripture, Lord. And Lord, we, we thank you that you came to make a way of salvation for us. And we're grateful, Lord, that you love us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves and our need for you. We're grateful that you have provided the way of salvation for each of us through faith. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Currently, Pastor Dan is teaching through the book of Matthew, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. This is a book that may cause you to be curious about the history before and also what comes after. If you're wondering about something you heard today, would you give us a call? Our number is 410-491-4592. We'd be happy to talk with you about anything you heard today or to hear about how these messages are impacting your life. We'd also love to know about any prayer requests you might have. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. Would you be willing to pray for the ministry of Ring of Truth? So many listeners may be hearing life-giving scripture they might not hear elsewhere. What an opportunity to reach people who are lost and without hope in the world. We'd be grateful for your prayers as the word is going out through these messages. If you'd like some specifics, we'd ask that you pray that lives would be changed and that God's kingdom would have more and more souls join Him because of the truth of His Word. Thanks so much for listening today and for praying. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, we encourage you to go to calvaryec.com. Next time, Pastor Dan will continue on in the book of Matthew, right here on Ring of Truth. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.